the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, powerful stories, podcasts, and plenty more than The Athletic. Hit your web browser, visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, and get 40% off that first year. Big week for The Athletic, of course. NCAA championship game. The women's game is happening as I speak right now. It's Masters Week. It's opening week of Major League Baseball. The NFL draft is less than a month away. There's maximum sports content and you want maximum sports coverage. That is The Athletic. Once again, theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Chinetti. Happy Sunday slash Monday whenever you're listening to this. Big baseball pod today. Cousin Dan, full-time staffer at Spot Track now, joins to uh, really walk through Division by division, league by league, off-season move by off-season move. It's a pretty full hour of, uh, of everything you need from November, December, late February, and early March with Major League Baseball because there was a lot to forget with that lockout. And uh, we st- st- stayed away from the CBA stuff because I think we've covered that at least initially, and there's going to be some changes that are going to be voted on this week and then again mid-season, which will impact gameplay and financials and some things like that. But to be perfectly honest, and, and Dan and I get into it a little bit, it's a pay-to-play league right now, and that didn't change with this iteration of the CBA. And if you, uh, if you root for a team that spends a lot of money, generally speaking, those are the teams that have the best odds to win the World Series right now. So Dan and I kind of walk through that. And some of those sleeper teams that may have a little bit less payroll, maybe shedding payroll as we speak, and uh, still have an outsider fringe chance from an odds perspective for you gambling people heading towards opening week here. So it's a big baseball uh, discussion at the back end of this podcast. I'll do a little bit of football here to start and then actually a little bit more baseball because, you know, I re- Dan and I recorded a couple of hours previous and of course the uh, Oakland A's didn't stop doing what they've been doing this off season. So I'll touch on that in just a few minutes here. But off the top, speaking of spending, the Miami Dolphins are a factor in the AFC East now. They, they were two years ago. That kind of fell off a dump truck last year for whatever reason. You can call it quarterback. You can call it lack of just depth around that roster, and they have not made that mistake again. They have added a ton of talent for a ton of overall value. I wouldn't say the guarantees are scary right now in these contracts. Certainly, you know, the positions they're paying for are positions of power. You can say that there are plenty of new weapons, two new running backs, three new wide receivers, uh, a tight end that they kept in tow with the franchise tag, a brand new left tackle, a brand new guard. Uh, everywhere you look in terms of offensive power, the Dolphins got better and it cost them money. This was not a let's wait and build through the draft kind of process. This was, we think we have a decent enough roster and a good now offensive scheme with Mike McDaniel to really push in this AFC East and at least compete with the likes of Buffalo and possibly New England. And they're doing it. And that's what their payroll looks like right now. But the, uh, the latest news is, is Xavier Howard's good faith decision to kind of you know, uh, release his holdout last year, play some ball, kind of keep his mouth shut, which he did. And, and you give him credit. We saw this with Julio Jones two years ago in Atlanta, where there was a bit of a, uh, look, we'll, we'll kind of uh, adjust your, your cash flow now, but you got to hold tight on us. We're going through some things. We'll get back to you in about 18 months. And that's exactly where we are right now. And they redid that contract as they said they would do after some trade speculation, some uh, just plenty of speculation with him. You know, was he going to be happy here? regardless of the new contract. And it seems like everything is a go here. Certainly the roster around him is better. 
And now the finances around him are better as well. It's a five-year, $90 million contract. But for semantics, it's two years, 50 and change. So you know how we operate things, new money, new, new, uh, new years, generally how we do things. But we had this discussion with Aaron Rodgers, whereas I can, I can consult it with a couple of cap experts that uh, I'm lucky enough to bounce some ideas off of every now and then. And we kind of all agreed collectively that the Aaron Rodgers contract was so brand new that it really wasn't worth putting him down for two years, 120 million, which is what the new year's new money was. Uh, it just didn't make logical sense. So he's a $50 million player at three for 150. And in terms of spot tracks figures, X Howard is now a five for 90, which is 18 million a year. He gets 36 and change fully guaranteed right now. You know, I hate to, I hate to do this with brand new contracts for players that I really like to watch play and, and have, who has gone through this kind of a holdout process. But you know, the, the practicality of this contract is still two years. I mean, he tacked on two years to three years remaining and still only has two years of practicality on this contract. So while it's five for 90, while it's two for 50 brand new, it's really just two for 36 and a half, practical speaking. Uh, and that's really where the guarantees fall off. The 2024 guarantees don't lock in until 2024. So that's a potential out. But when you, when you think about it that way, do I think he's going to be moved away from at age 31 with uh, you know decent cap numbers based on a $250 million salary cap? No, I, I don't think it's likely, but practically speaking, Miami could move on after that point. So that's why you're seeing that kind of breakdown on our site right now. And uh, I felt that it was necessary to explain the five for 90, even though agents, a lot of the experts are saying it's a, it's a two for 50 tack on, which it is, but this is very DeAndre Hopkins-like. This is very Aaron Rodgers-like. So we're going with the, with the logical look here, which is five for 90. Just an explanation on that. All right, baseball. The, uh, the Oakland A's do this every few years. It's the Oakland fire sale where they punt on players who are he- approaching free agency and that arbitration three salary just get, gets too, too costly for them. We see Miami do this. We see Tampa Bay do this. We see plenty of organizations do this. But Oakland's been doing this for 30 years. There's a movie about it. Let's be perfectly honest. Uh, they literally wrote the book on this, on this process. So the, uh, the Moneyball Oakland A's are back. Four prominent players out the door. And uh, you know something big has happened in terms of uh, you know, Moneyball slash salary slash trade in baseball. If I take the time to actually write an article about it, which is what I've done on spotrate.com today, there's an Oakland A's fire sale piece, which basically breaks down all the, all the parts that exited and the 12 pieces that came back. So four players out, 12 players back. And honestly, I found something good to say about all 12 of them. You know, a few of them are going to crack this opening day roster for, for either injury reasons or for the fact that this roster is just depleted right now. But there's, you know, many of these, these prospects they picked up were, were respective top 10 prospects from those teams. So uh, it's not like they're getting nothing for this, but they generally don't get enough. You know, they trade players at the, at the time that teams love to pick players up. So it's not going to be the perfect deal for Oakland. But this is how they operate. They, they replenish their prospect pool, and they've done so well here. And they shed over $40 million of salary for 2022. So that payroll is down to about $33 million. It's probably third um, after I crunch some of these numbers with Cleveland and Pittsburgh below them still. But, you know, this is how, how it works. It's not new. It hasn't changed. They haven't been forced to change with the new CBA. So they're going to continue to operate this way. And I, I can't say it's bad, but it's unfortunate because they do a really good job of developing players. And the fact that they can only kind of strike iron, you know, every six years or eight years, whenever it is, 
and those those two years really just kind of uh, elapsed on us here. It stinks that they have to full reset like this because it's a it's a well run organization. You know they know exactly what they're doing, but they just don't have the capital to keep up with what the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Mets are doing right now. Unfortunately speaking, so here we are. Like I said, forty million shed from this year's uh, payroll immediately. That's Sean Manea, that's Chris Bassett, that's Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. And those are four really good players joining four really good teams. So you can't blame uh, the process here. And good luck to all those players, two of which have already gotten extensions, one small, one massive. I have to think Sean Manet is in San Diego's long-term plans, but we'll see how the first couple of months go there. He'll be feeling immediate injury needs on that rotation. And then uh, if they love him, they'll keep him. There's no question about that. So. Um, that's the Oakland A's in a nutshell. Like I said, every two or three years this happens and we're in one of those down years for the athletics. So sorry to those fans, but that is the money ball process in baseball. Pittsburgh's continuing that process as well with trade rumors about Brian Reynolds. They are trying to extend a couple of their young kids, you know, uh, Brian Hayes again, getting offers that he's turning down. You can, you can see where that's headed. And to me, that's going to be the problem. If, if many of these organizations at least start to show like they're going to be spending what happens to the Pittsburghs and the Clevelands and the, and the Tampas and the Miamis and the, uh, the Baltimores of the world who annually don't? Are they just going to be uh, you know, a bottom feeder for, for players that can't find work anywhere else? And anyone that's got another offer is just going to choose elsewhere. That's what I'm worried about. So hopefully this process somewhat gets worked out with the upward spending of the big boys and, and where the CBT is going with this new CBA. But it doesn't look promising. So that's where we are with the Oakland A's, and uh, we'll see more of that, I'm sure, as the trade deadline approaches and some of those teams are out of the 12 playoff race. All right, let's break down more of this upcoming season with Cousin Dan. Cousin Dan, first off, officially welcome to Spot Track. The, uh, the part-timer is now the full-timer, and that means a lot more baseball. So thankfully, baseball didn't lock itself out for the whole season during the uh you know, the inauguration of you coming on board, we've got something actual to talk about here. So uh, you've done some good work. Let's do a, a bit of a preview here for this upcoming season. Uh, your choice, dealer's choice, sir. You want to start with, uh, you know, the Pakoda stuff. You want to start with some of the, the, the divisionals, the leagues. You want to go players first, some of your favorite free agent moves, some trades. You, uh, you kind of lead the way here, sir. I, let's just kind of do a broad overview division by division and well i think we'll uh get swept up in some of that that other player stuff all right let's pay the bills then with the al east because this is going to be the one to watch even if i think you're not you don't have a rooting interest here it's just going to be uh, i mean the blue jays are young and fun they got better they got some experienced players in that on that roster now the yankees uh, i don't know they didn't just sit on their hands but i think some people are looking at it that way especially on the pitching staff and uh, Tampa's going to Tampa, even though their ace is out for a while here. And is, maybe, maybe we start here. Is Boston the sleeping giant? Is this the, is this the San Francisco Giants of 2021? Um, very well could be. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think the division as a whole is going to be really interesting. I mean, it really, besides Baltimore, you could see any of these teams getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sort of supported in, you know, in the betting markets and the, in the over under win totals. Um, yeah. It's mashed together pretty good here. Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, it's projected to be the best division in baseball with the most wins overall assigned to it. Um, Do you believe in Toronto, Dan? 
did they do enough or, or do they have to really have lightning in the bottle with a player like Kevin Gosman this offseason? I think they did enough to walk it sideways, but I'm not really sure if they have improved their roster. I think a lot of the buzz around them is still flying high off of last year. But I mean, to be honest, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if most of those players had their career years last year all, all at the same Oof. time. So and not, not to say that, not to say that they won't maintain and keep producing, but I, I'm, I don't know if there's like much more ceiling on all of those players. Now, now if that's what we get, that's phenomenal. But I, I guess I'm just saying is I, it feels like people like the, the general public thinks that they're going to take another step forward when they're, you know, they lost the, the, I, I know they replaced with Kevin Gossman, but Robbie, Robbie Ray is gone. That worked incredibly. Marcus Simeon is a huge piece to what they did last year. So did they do enough to replace them? I, I don't know, like in terms of trying to take another step forward, but they're, they're probably going to be in a similar spot to last year, if not maybe a little bit of regression. It's a fair point because for the most part, much of this team hasn't gone through the, we've seen this before phase. You know, they were new, they were fresh, they were exciting. They were riding on adrenaline last year. Now they've kind of been down that road and there's tons of video on them. There's tons of analysis being done on, you know, Vlad's swing and Vlad's likelihoods and things like that. And just, it catches up with you quickly. It's, it's a technology sport now. <laughs> and unfortunately that, le- that means pitching can dominate at times, especially early in the season. So we've seen that with a lot of these superstar players, whether they're it's a, it's a team full of them or just a single entity like a Pete Alonzo, right? There's just a natural regression that second time through the order. So it's a, it's a fair point. And by the way, that plus this division probably means we shouldn't be all in on Toronto by any means, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would think so. So do you want to pick a favor or do you just kind of want to you know analyze this stuff and then maybe later we'll go through some playoff projections? How's that sound? Yeah, well, yeah, well, the the data we pulled is, I mean, the win totals are all with for that division are all pretty tight. So I I think the only thing is like the Yankees projection um, for Pakoda is is kind of an outlier there. But be, beyond that, I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, we, I talked, I spoke about that with Lindsay Adler when I did the Yankees piece, and I didn't really ask her directly because I didn't want to put her on the spot there. But you you know a little bit more about this stuff. Is that just really defensive? Is that what that's all about? That some of the pieces they added were really stand, stand out in terms of what the Yankees are going to be able to do with a player like Cole and now a player like kind of and things like that. Um, that might have pushed it into that range. I, I still think that number has to be going off of the, the offense, but I, I, I actually don't know the inner workings of that enough to, um, to pick it apart. So in other words, Dan, because they have so much home run potential, let's be honest about what that team is. That's they, they are still the Bronx Bombers, unfortunately. They have the potential to get that kind of a number, right? And by the way, the Bakota ratings are 98 and change right now, which is it's like seven more than any other team in, in baseball in, in terms of 2022 projections. So is it just because they have the ability to hit, you know, 300 plus home runs or whatever it's going to be? Yeah, that's what I, that would be my assumption. I mean, the lineup. I mean, realistically, they probably have seven guys who could hit 25 to 30 home runs, uh, you know, if you if you squint hard enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and for comparison, the Dodgers, who a lot of people think is like one of the best rosters or lineups they've ever seen is projected at 101, mm. which is like so the, the Yankees are not 
too far behind that. I mean, they're, those two teams are pretty clear. Favorites. I totally not, missed not that. To jump, Goodness. Not to jump ahead here, but I, like that. Let's go there because that's obviously the next best division. And it was the, the best division last year. Uh, certainly it's where the, you know, the championship situation came out of. So it, are we looking at round two of this? Are the Giants for real? Can the Giants maintain? Their Pakoda rating says, says no, uh, you know, under 80 at this point. I think what the Giants did from a pitching standpoint is outstanding. It's very unlike them. In fact, generally they're, they're pulling in bigger names and trying to, you know, live with the Dodgers or live with the Mets and the Yankees in terms of the, the, the big name signings. They went a little bit more basic tier two stuff for depth. And I think that's going to hold up, especially if the Dodgers take some sort of step back. And I think the Padres will have to because of the Tatis injury, right? I am aligned with that frame of thought. Yeah, it's it's almost like they put, like Pakoda just took wins away from the Giants and gave them to the Yankees. That like the way these are all mm. laid out, it's kind of interesting like that. But yeah, I tend to agree. I think the Giants have entered um, like a benefit of the doubt range where their front office is so good at assembling a roster, um, even when like the sum of the parts are sort of underwhelming. Um, when you look up and down that roster, the starting rotation, the bullpen, no one really jumps out to you. Like right. there's no superstar power on that team, but, um, they're, they're uh, some smart people that I follow tend to think that they're going to be right there, um, with the division this year, that, that, that team is going to surprise a lot of people. I mean, I know they had, they put together a really great season last year, but some people think, um, there's regression coming. And um, I actually tend to think um, that front office is probably at a place where they, you know, they, they add and subtract seamlessly and know they, they very much know what they're doing. So I'm going to trust them that they're um, I actually like that roster as much, if not more than the Padres, I think. I, I was just going to go there. Uh, I, I know the Padres have more names and, by the way, I do, I do think the Padres rotation is maybe unmatched. It's top three if, if everybody's healthy and everybody's right. It's, it's really freaking good. But pound for pound, if you're talking about a 28-man roster right now, I, the Giants just didn't lose anybody. I mean, you can say that Chris Bryant is a, is a subtraction, but Chris Bryant really didn't add much value to that team when he got there in August. He just didn't do that much. He was a solid player who's now making $183 million. So... I, I just don't see that as a major loss to them. And I think they've probably filled in that blank with two, you know, the smaller additions they've made. I, I agree with you. They seem to be uh, in the middle of like a money ball slash big, big market team. I, I, they seem smart to me. So I'm with you on the Giants. I think they should be neck and neck with the Padres based on how we look at it. And both should be able to pitch, which what else matters right now? I mean, obviously you can hit home runs and, and win a lot of ball games that way. But not down the stretch. That's just not how things work out. So to any, any team that has this kind of pitching depth, and I put the Padres and Giants up there with anybody, I, I have to be in on them. But we're, we're neglecting the Dodgers here. So, so, so lay out the Dodgers for me because they certainly got better, <laughs> which is crazy. And you know we're all afraid to talk about Trevor Bauer, the elephant in the room, because he's going to play at some point. He's going to get suspended, and, and then he's going to play, and he's going to be this ridiculous addition in what, June or July? And it's just going to be more oomph to this roster. I, I or, agree. Or do you think I he's agree. done? Am I, am I misspeaking I, there, Dan? 
I don't know too. I don't really know too much, but it does seem like MLB is motivated to push this. Um, and they're, I'm sorry, maybe the league and the players association have some motivation to keep kicking the can down the line. It seems, hmm. um, but you're, you're right. It seems he certainly could join this and be um, yeah. talent wise, a good addition down the stretch, but um yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not gonna pick apart the roster. I guess if there is a weakness, um, their ro- maybe their bullpen is a little bit weaker than it was last year. Maybe there's a little less depth mm-hmm. in the rotation based on if Bauer comes back, if Kershaw, you know, is gonna be classic Kershaw and give you even close to like 150 innings, which I, I highly doubt that. I guess, but um, yeah, he's a scary number two right now. Let's put it that way. Right, but I mean, Julio Urias could easily become like a, a projectable ace this season, and him and Walker Bueller, if you throw in Bauer, if he does come back, I I, th- I still, you know, it's not like they're weak. Is this starting pitcher. is this team good enough to justify the payroll to bring some money into this conversation? Because it's going to be an ungodly payroll, and we'll have the same discussion with the Mets here uh, shortly. But you know, these are going to this, this is going to be the big fish right now. They're not even done spending, in my opinion. There's going to be some offseason moves and maybe some extensions, but. Is, is this team worth the, the price of, of admission right now? I think so. Um, and as we always talk about, their system um, is very deep and they can afford to make moves if they need, you know, th- go into the season as is, see what the Trevor Bauer situation is. And if they need to make a big addition at the deadline, you know, this, uh, this front office is not going to be shy about that. Um, like, for instance, Gavin Lux is still a very high-end prospect. Um, and he's right now just a bench bat. So he, he could be, um, a guy that they move and try and upgrade, you know, later in the season if needed. Yeah. I expect them to be all in. They, they, they certainly appear to be all in. I love that they're spending the way they're spending. Is it good for baseball? That's a whole nother podcast, but, uh, <laughs> and we'll get to some of those smaller teams, uh, I'm sure, sure down the road here, but who else in the, in the national league is really standing out to you right now? I mean, we can go to the NL East. It's going to be. There's going to be a ton of hitting in the NL East. There's no question about it. Um, even the Nationals added some bats in Nelson Cruz and a couple of smaller players. The Phillies just loaded up their outfield. I mean, their outfield might hit, I don't know, 90 home runs. Is that fair? <laughs> right? It's, it's just nuts what they've done here with the Shorber, with the Castellanos, and, and to go with Harper. Is, uh, are they going to cancel themselves out a lot? Uh, you know, the Mets were clear favorites coming into this once Scherzer signed there. Grom's having some shoulder issues already heading into opening week here and the division got better and the Braves won the world series. And and I don't think that, you know, Matt Olson for Freddie Freeman, isn't going to be too much of a drop off here. Right. In your opinion. Right. Agreed. It's, it's going to be a battle between the Mets and the Braves. In my opinion, okay. the, the, the Phillies offense is insane, but they're, especially without if Zach Wheeler misses any length of time, their pitching staff is pretty suspect. So um, I don't know through the course of an entire season, if they're going to be able to hang with the Mets and the Braves, even if the Mets are missing DeGrom, I think that roster um, up and down is, is deep enough that they'll, they'll, I don't want to say they'll be okay without Jacob DeGrom, but um, I think it is the luxury of of getting a player like Scherzer, right? I mean, he, the, the two of them can kind of cover for each other if if and when and and you know I would say when each of them have their own kind of hiccups this op this year which is bound to happen with the the wear and tear and the age but yeah 
they're going to be sustainable, I would imagine, both those teams. The Braves, it's funny. I was thinking about this with the LA Rams in football. You know, we, we, we focus so much on the Buccaneers running it all back and extending their players and taking some hometown discounts and even adding a few new weapons. Aren't the Rams doing the same thing? And haven't the Braves essentially done the same thing? I feel like we, there's so much focus on them losing Freeman that we, we smoke and mirror ourselves into not realizing that the rest of the roster, plus Acuna at some point soon, right? It's going to be just as damn good. Yeah, they, it's sort of just the shock factor of a career Braves player like Freddie Freeman, um, such a prominent name that, that him leaving that, I think it's just shock value, but you're right. The Matt Olson addition, it's not, it's, it's not going to change that roster drastically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're still really strong. Um, if the Bra- uh, sorry, if the Mets, you know, do historically Mets things, there's there they could certain the Braves could certainly run away with that. I, I'm not even going to comment on that. Let's go to the NL Central. <laughs> uh, the Mets are already doing Mets things. It's the opening week, and Jacob Degrom's getting an MRI. Dan, what else do you want from this team? Um, <laughs> the NL Central, the Reds are tanking. Pittsburgh's not even trying. They're literally tr- uh, trying to trade more players away as we speak. We've had an offline discussion about the Cubs, who just completely ripped the bandaid off of their, you know, world series roster last trade deadline. You know, the Rizzo's, the biases of the world, the, the Kimbrels. Um, and I think for all intents and purposes, you and I both looked around and said, this team's going down, like all the way down. Like I feel bad for Wrigley fans. That's not what they're doing here. They are, they are trying to rebuild this thing on the fly. It's not the biggest names out there. You know, they didn't replace Javi Baez with a superstar shortstop. They went Andrelton Simmons, who's a, perfectly adequate player. They've got some, some vet utility players around this roster and they've got some kids who are going to bat 190, but maybe mash 40 home runs kind of sporadically spread out through this roster. And oh, by the way, Kyle Hendricks, Marcus Stroman's in the, in the fold. Now there's a couple of pitchers behind them that can at least hold the fort down. They're going to be competitive. You know, it's not like they traded away their entire roster last year and they're just staying at that point. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Mike, I, if I have to pick one team in the league that nobody thinks will be good this year, that at the end of the year, people might stop and go, Oh, they, that team was quite a bit better than we expected. Yeah. I think it, I think it's the Cubs. I mean, no one's giving them any credit. The roster is, is not great, but like you said, there are some pieces there. Um, I don't think they can win 80 games, but they're going to be watchable is I guess well, and, the better and, way to put and, it. And to tell that, that point, the, division isn't is terrible i like i'm sorry even the best team milwaukee i think has a lot of holes which we can discuss but um i mean it's it's pretty bad the the, there's glaring weaknesses on every team in the division in my opinion see i'm not with you on this one dan i'm not with you at all i uh and, and please break down the brewers for me because this is my sneaky national league champion right now and maybe not so sneaky. They're fourth. They're tied for third right now in terms of the odds. So not so sneaky. But tell me why. Because they're not a 90-win team according to FanDuel right now. They're not. So maybe so somebody's on this with you. What, where are those gaping holes? So just, just to clarify, I guess I should clarify. Okay. I think the, the, the Brewers should should pretty easily take this division and once they get into the playoffs, they have probably the best rotation plus one of the best bullpens in baseball. And that combination 
is makes you an immediate World Series contender. So I don't want to act like I don't think they're good. They're just not going to be some juggernaut team that we look back and say, wow, how did they win 97 games at the end of the year? Is it a lack of home runs? It's the offense in general, Mike, I think is, is not that great. Um, I mean, it will survive, but they are hoping, in my opinion, they're kind of hoping for. Well, let's put it this way, because I'm looking at it right now and you're making some sense. Lorenzo Cain's in the two hole right now. And Andrew McCutcheon is the cleanup hitter. So that's yeah, exactly. probably not a great start for opening day. It's just old. It's just old. the roster just feels so old to me. And I know that there is some youth, Willie Adamas. Um, yeah. It's it just. No, there's it, a, almost everybody's over 30, to, to your point, uh, at least the projected starting nine here. So you're not wrong here, Dan. This, is, this could be a stale roster right now, or maybe just a patchwork roster in terms of the position players. But. The, the pitching's so good. It's, it's so, so good. deep. And, so, and they've got two closers. They've got five, you know, five legit starters, maybe even six, if you pull some of those, those bullpen guys out and, and stretch them out. Can't they fix this? Like, shouldn't they be going and assessing at least the in-season work they can, be, they can do to bring in a legitimate bat? Uh, yes, I think they want to... They must want to see what they have in, like, a, you know... Keston Hire still like guys like that. Maybe they want to kick the tires and see what they have at the beginning of the year. Maybe Rowdy Telez surprises everyone. He's kind of like been a hot fantasy sleeper name. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if Christian Yelich goes, you know, vintage MVP season, Christian Yelich, then then maybe he can carry them far enough. But I don't know. The the something about the roster is just super. It's fair. It's fair, but it's also opening week. And to me, when you have pitching. You can fix the rest. You, you, can, you can make the rest work on July 31st. And I think that's what this team's going to do. And, and maybe they're thinking the same way you are. We're looking around our division and half of our schedule, and we're saying, man, we're going to be able to walk, literally sleepwalk through most of this season. And we'll have to bang our heads with the Cardinals a couple of times here and there. But maybe they want to slow play this thing and slow play their payroll a little bit too uh, early on. And then really, if they think they have it, if the pitching staff stays healthy, you do it what the Braves did last year and you just go big and you, you add two or three bomb players, to, you know, and add yourself 20 home runs head, headed through September, which could be enough to push them to the top of the National League or at least in contention. Is that not a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's spot on. Um, they, the, the pitching is so good that they'll, they'll likely win this division with no problem. So yeah, that, that's why I think, and once you get into the playoffs and you have a starting three like that and a yeah. bullpen like that, um, it doesn't really matter if you're, you know, your offense can just get hot for a couple of weeks and it doesn't matter. So, okay, let's flip to the, uh, the AL here again. We started with the AL East. Let's, let's finish it off here. I'm going to wait on your guardians. Uh, let's go to the AL West, which is really fascinating. The, the Texas Rangers spent almost $600 million this off season, Dan, on a couple of notable free agents that you, you've mentioned already, but they're projected to be fourth. They added. Two, two legitimate pitchers. They added a second baseman and a shortstop. You know, they brought in a catcher and Mitch Garver. I mean, they, they flipped this thing over with, with all people you've heard of. Let's put it that way. I mean, they are, they are a well-known team right now, even though they're a brand new roster. Are, are we just saying it's not a good fit? Are we just saying they need a year to figure this out? Why are they fourth right now? Because I don't think the Angels got markedly better. They're a good squad. And I think they've addressed some pitching needs finally. 
I do think the Mariners got better, and I think the Astros are still the Astros. But are the Astros really 10 wins more than any other team in this division right now? To answer that question directly, I don't think so. But that um, I personally like the Mariners and the Angels quite a bit okay. as um, as sleepers, if you will. Um, I, to, to go back to your uh, your original Rangers point, I just still, despite those major free agent signings, still don't think the roster is all that good. Mm. <laughs> um, like the one through three to four, you know, Simeon, Seeger, Garver, Nate Lowe is pretty nice. But I mean, you're, I don't necessarily, I, I don't want to count on a, a repeat season from Adelise Garcia and going down the roster. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's just kind of pieces. Well, what you know? you're asking and, for, you're asking Corey Seager to be the best hitter on a championship team. I don't think that's possible. Do you? No, no, I don't okay. think he, him and Simeon just don't seem like guys, um, you know, like they're not flat out that they're incredible players and valuable on your roster, but they are not cornerstone offensive pieces. In my opinion, you don't build a right, you know, you don't say we had, we added these two guys We're we're fine the rest of the way. I think they're incredible compliments on a, on a bet on a more, a more deep roster, if that makes sense. But, and their pitching um, yeah. is extremely suspect. So it's, ter- it's, it's backwards terrible thinking. It's, it's definitely <laughs> backwards thinking. So you can understand why they're where they are. If you, when you do some quick looking here, uh, Hey, I'm putting you on the spot here. Is there any kind of prospect pool here with this team where they could maybe utilize that either internally or use that to flip and, and continue to build some of these pieces out? Or is this team kind of spending money at a time when it's the only option they have? You know what I'm saying? Um, believe it or not, there is actually, they've done a pretty good job there rebuilding it. Um, I, I don't want to say on timeline. So, um, mm. it, I, I, Okay, so, so they're an afterthought for you this year, essentially, even though, you know, tons of money invested, they're just not going to be in contention by any, even with the division. Let's talk about the Angels, because we've been, we've been doing this every year now, right? And generally, it's a negative conversation, and it's negative because we desperately want this team to be good for, for the West Coast, for Mike Trout, for, for now Shohei Otani. You know, Rendon's an outlier, $35 million a year. What about this team do you think is going to be successful and, and at least have them competing, Dan? The Mariners? No, let's, let's talk Angels. Oh, it's, the Angels, I I'm mean, sorry. Syndergaard's kind of a hope and a prayer, right? I mean, it's, there's a lot of what-ifs still on this Angels team. Yeah, I just, I, I guess if you squint hard enough, um, I kind of like the, the offense. And, um, sure. I know. I, I feel like every year I come on here and say how much I think the angels could be a little bit better than, um, than they're going to be. And then they flop every year. It's what um, everybody does with the chargers too. Don't worry. They, they, look, yeah. they look amazing on paper. And then by training camp, half their roster is injured and we're, we're just back to square one. So I hope that's not the case, but I'll tell you what, seeing Justin Upton as a bench player, that's a good start, right? I mean, it means they've added enough to where they feel like they can do that. Yeah, and like, I mean, Joe Adele is kind of a post-hype sleeper. That's like a guy that could be give you legitimate production this year. Sure. Um, Brandon Marsh is another outfielder that people don't really know the name, but um, si- similar, he he could turn into a really valuable piece. Um, I, I just sort of like the you know a Mike Trout offense if he's healthy. I still I still like it a lot. Um, 
their bullpen is actually vastly improved over past years. Um, and they re-signed Iglesias, which was helpful. Sure. <clears throat> I just, I do like this team more than I, I the field, even though it's, it's not really sexy. But you like the Mariners more? Because the Mariners were, were splashy. Mariners made a couple of really nice trades. Um, you know, they lost Kyle, Kyle Seager to retirement. There's a couple of uh, subtractions to talk about here, I think. But this is a young team growing up, and it's not just homegrown either. They've, they've done the work to really uh, get themselves involved in some trades, get themselves involved with, with other teams' baggage, and kind of turn it into a roster that may be able to compete in this division. For sure. They... Ah, it, it's really a good question. If I like the Mariners, the angels better, I'd probably, I probably would side with the Mariners because I feel like they're closer. Um, Identical on FanDuel right now with uh, right. the angels getting the Pakoda nod. Right. Yeah. So the Mariners are, I, I mentioned them last year as a team to watch in the coming years that would take a step forward. I think they have done that. I mm-hmm. think this off season was very good for them. I do think maybe they're still a year away um, from really becoming a contender, but the roster, I, I the roster is good now. I, I think the offense is good. Um, they have top pros, you know, they have some really, really high end prospects coming. Um, their pitching is not, great but you know can sustain them in my opinion that in that division um yeah i don't know who i i I, that's a really good toss-up between the two of them i would lean mariners though okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have you compare one more team then because i feel like the mariners and the tigers had very similar off seasons and were on very similar tracks uh and to be quite honest both have somewhat similar divisional standings right now but Seattle's destined to win more games, according to a, basically every site you look at. Do you agree with that, or do you think the Tigers have real climb up the rankings power this off or in 2022? I they're a year away from I, being a year away. Same, yeah. I, I sort of think the Tigers might be where the, the Mariners were last year. Um, they still have some like really high end talent that is developing and could you know break into the the league this year um they do have some solid pitching prospects down the line um as a as a whole i really like what they're what they've done and where they're going um i just again i don't really know if they're ready to compete this year but i think this is a this is this is a a classic year that tigers fans should sit back and really enjoy watching sure. this team sort of take a step forward with um minimal expectations so. sure and there's a winning coach there too i mean there's a lot to love and some of these kids if they grow up in front of our eyes you know this is an 80 win team in its best probably in its best season this year probably no more than that but i think detroit would take that <laughs> with bells on right right now that's that's they're headed in that direction let's put it that way let's let's finish off with the al central hill and get to some player stuff um, I, this 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 division really baffles me. I, I know the White Sox are the best team on paper, and I know they had the best season last year, and they're going to be able to pitch as long as the injuries bug doesn't catch them too much. So I'll, I'll keep them as a bit of an outlier here, as most of the the betting sites have them. Minnesota did some sneaky damn good things, as you know. We talked about how Detroit is definitely a step further. Your Cleveland Guardians did not rip the Band-Aid off as we expected them to. Now, they, they still can and maybe will with players like Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber, but they're going to be annoyingly 
competitive. Let's put it that way, especially if some of those kids take a step forward. And Dan, having done some fantasy work now and certainly some 40-man roster work, I don't hate this Royals team either. There's a chance that the Royals and some of these kids could be outstanding this year. I don't think they have a 28-man roster, but they may have 10 to 12 players who can really, really play the game right now. They are one of the better bottom teams in terms of projected divisional standings. Do you agree with that? I am less on board with that. I do agree they have some players there. Um, they, they, to your point, they could certainly win some games in this division if the division as a whole, sure, you know, underwhelms. But um, no, I, I, it's fair. I just, you know, we talked about it last year. They spent so much money on some questionable free agents. Um, but if um like a Aldebar- if Mondesi is healthy, yeah. if Bobby Witt Jr. um you know hits his ceiling as a prospect, it, I I I'll agree with you there. Yeah, there's some real players in this lineup. I mean, certainly Sal Perez is Sal Perez. I'm not gonna go through the Royals. That's not the point of this podcast. But um, I just think they're they're maybe the best bad team, the best worst team in baseball from a divisional standpoint. Yeah. That's a good that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. White Sox. Run runaway division, the odds say so. the The odds actually say yeah. it's Dodgers and White Sox are the are the worst odds right now to take in terms of division winners. That they are the easiest division winners in baseball. Do you agree with, agree with that? Yeah i I can't poke really any holes in the White Sox. Um, I yeah. think it's a good roster up and down. Um, Minnesota, I sort of I I do like what they've done in the off season. Um. I just don't know if they're going to, they're ready to compete with the White Sox, but okay. I could see it, I guess. All right. Let's quickly go through who we think's in, who we think's out for the playoffs. Let's run down the AL. I assume you're saying the White Sox are in based on that discussion. Yes. For sure. They're yeah. a top six team, basically, without even trying. Uh, Houston's the same. Yeah. I yes. Know, I know. Yeah, Isn't I'll... that a tough division? I know. I agree. Well, yeah, it's tough. And so McCullers is hurt. Verlander's coming back from injury. Framber Valdez exactly. is going to be. There's just a lot of questions. And I think not getting Correa back was a mistake, personally. Huge. Yeah. So if there's like a team, this division is probably the most wide open um, with a, that has a clear betting favorite right now. Um, but I do agree, Mike. I think the roster, um, you know, there's uncertainty there. Guys have left even going back two years, George Springer. And now you, now you carve off Correa. Yeah. Um, you're, you're hoping Alex Bregman is, is healthy again this year, but I think there's a lot of projection there. And although they do have plenty of starting pitching, mm-hmm. um, they, they have questions there. Like you said, Verlander and McCullers are already hurt. Um, from like a fantasy perspective, I know um, they have one of the higher injury risk teams. Uh, sorry, they're starting rotation. Um, I think Jose Urquidy is like one of the highest rated um, mm. guys to get injured this year. Um, so I guess to my point, it, it's just their depth will be tested this year. And I think that there's a legitimate chance that they, they show some holes here, um, especially if the Angels and the Mariners take a step forward, which the Pakoda rankings sort of seem um to think that it'll be a little bit closer with those two teams um yeah sorry among those three teams than than other sites have i'd agree with that too okay (laughs) we're using fanduel here the fanduel has all four 
big AL East teams in the in the postseason. Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, all four get in. Is that going to happen? I, I can't see it happening. I, I understand. I mean, that's that's what the win projections essentially tell us. But the Mariners, the Angels, the Twins, they're going to be too frisky not to get involved in one of these wild card conversations, correct? I'd agree there, yes. Yeah. Oof. I mean, the, the East, the, the AL East is projected to have the most wins in the league. Um <laughs> Do you believe in Tampa Bay this year, Dan? I know we're not supposed to count them out because they just continually break your hearts, but is that the team that could fall out? Um, or are they just soundly built I, like we've talked about for I, years? They I just don't know, know yeah, what they're I'm not, doing. I, I'm not going to count against them. No, I think <laughs> they're so deep. The front office is so good. I think they'll, they're a prime team to make a, a move. Like I, I think I saw a report yesterday that Austin Meadows could easily get traded before <laughs> opening day which is seven you know seven days away it's um they're they're just always looking to upgrade their staff is still very deep um i I don't know they are battling some injuries there yeah i guess you're right now that i've talked myself into it um they could easily be the the team that falls out of it i do still like them um okay i'll take your word i'll take your word i mean that's they're they're starting to pay most of us thought a couple of those $10 million players would get flipped. They did not yet. Now there's time, but they they seem to be invested financially. And that's generally how I put my goggles on, as you know. So I want to go there real quick before we flip to the, to the national league, just American league wise, Dan, if I told you at the bottom of the barrel from a tax payroll standpoint, which is kind of the, uh, you know, the active players and their, and their average salaries for <laughs> lack of that's about 5% of it, but I'm not going to speak to it any more than that. Cleveland's at the bottom in the AL, then Oakland, then Baltimore, those Kansas City Royals that I unequivocally love, and then Tampa, and then Seattle. Uh, is that about right? I mean, are, are any of those teams actual qualifiers here? Because Tampa Bay has done this before, and they've been lower on this list. They're actually 23rd right now in tax payroll, which is that's one of the highest I can remember that being at at any point in time in the season. So it seems like they're a little bit more pot invested than usual. And Seattle is kind of relying all on arbitration or pre-arbitration guys. Generally speaking, that's not the right recipe. Generally speaking, that leads to you're still a year away, which is basically what you said out loud. And Texas is above them knowing what they've spent. Detroit's a little bit above them. I have to get to, boy, I mean, I guess Toronto at about 11th before I get a real legitimate AL contender, which means, in other words, you got to be paying a lot of money to compete in the American League. Is that the sense you get as well? Yeah, I don't. To consistently do it, yes, I don't. I don't really see otherwise. Um, you know, the 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 windows are so short, and you yeah. have to thread the needle in terms of it, like if you want to build without spending at all, um, you really have to thread a needle in terms of your prospects and development and making timely trades and shaving payroll where needed um that yeah i don't really see any way around it that like to you know any of those teams could break in and have a cinderella type season. so let's put it this way let's put it this way your your top four projected in the al chicago houston toronto new york those are all top 11 payrolls your top four in the national league dodgers mets braves brewers now the brewers are about 20th 
Okay. And you, and you hate them. So if we threw them out and we went Padres instead, which I know you're, you're more fond of Dodgers, Mets, Braves, Padres, Dan, that's all top seven payrolls in baseball. So it's a pay to play league right now. And it always kind of has been, but I think maybe even with this new CBA has amplified that thing to the point of where now the CBT has been risen. Some of those minimum salaries have risen. So, you know, you're not getting any kind of value really if you're a Tampa Bay team and that's where a lot of their payroll has increased. But uh, who's the sleeper in any division here? Who, who is the sleeper team? I mean, Oak, Oakland's out. Baltimore's way out. Cleveland, you, I, I haven't asked directly, but you think they're out, right? Um, Do you like <laughs> your team? No, no I, I don't like them. I just, I don't think they're as... Um... Really, as, as awful as everybody is making them out to be. Um, but so are you over? Are you over seventy five? I think they're a seventy five win team. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I but I don't know. It's, a year ago, everybody thought they had one of the best rotations in baseball with a deep system. Um, within not an I would I, let's not label it an up and coming offense. I just think there are some pieces there if you squint hard enough okay. um and if they sort of if if anything goes right for them this year i think um like i think we're projecting them in their at their low point if, hmm. if you know what i'm trying to say That's fair. i i don't i don't think they're great though but the division is still you know detroit while they're going to be better the royals are okay minnesota to be determined you know they're still in like a relatively weak division that that pitching can um, sure there's room to maneuver you. is what you're saying. It's not as compressed yeah. as the AL East. That makes sense. Yeah, but I I don't like think they're going to be better than you know Boston, Tampa. Yeah. Well, I don't think Boston and Tampa. I think if it, they could be just as good as the Mariners, as the Angels. Hmm. Um, so um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm hot. Maybe maybe <laughs> I'm way off on that, and I'm gonna look like an idiot after the year, this season. But that's what we love to hear. Let's do yeah. this. Let's, let's, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to run down the top payrolls in baseball right now. Okay. Team by team, starting at the top. You stop me when you hear a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Ready? Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, Padres. Maybe the Red Sox. May, I'd probably say the Padres. Padres are out. I'm going to keep going. Phillies. Yeah. I mean, in. I would say out. I, I I don't believe in the pitching. I think the defense is going to be the worst in the league. Um, White Sox, Braves, Astros, Cardinals. <sighs> it's okay. Blue Jays, Cubs. Yeah, Cubs. Um, are, are the Cubs the first definite? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. That's speaks to the parody. I I think a lot of those other teams, it's open-ended. Yeah. Okay. I just gave you, I just gave you 12, 13 teams and everybody past the Cubs is below the league average in payroll right now, based on our site. So I gave you every team with above average payroll and there's a really good chance that we just named the 12 teams in the postseason. (laughs) in in other words it's literally if you've paid enough money for for the right players you're going to make the postseason that's what we're assessing 
and I don't think it's that. I don't think it's crazy if we've if you've done your deep dives in these rosters. So I don't know if that's good for the sport. I got to say that I'm worried about that for the sport. But I, I think it could be, and I'm going to have a positive spin on this. Could just be, and you've said it a few times. Teams know the right time to strike. They, they can sense their window, or they've or they've budgeted accordingly for a three-year span where they're going to spend free agent. They're going to spend by a trade. They know the couple things that could, could line up and they, they're carrying higher payrolls because of it. I, I, I think that's the case with some of these teams, the Braves, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, for sure. The Angels, for sure. I, I hope that it doesn't work out this way. I hope that some of these lower costing teams do at least compete because I'm terrified that we get to July 1st and there are 15 teams just, just punching out. You know, which is exactly what the CBA was supposed to try to address. And I think you and I both think it didn't do a damn thing for it. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Okay, yeah. some player stuff, sir. You ready? I'm throwing you in yep. the, on the spot here. Who has the better year? <laughs> Byron Buxton, Austin Riley, or Joe Adele? Oh, I mean... <sighs> I mean, Byron Buxton pretty easily, in my opinion. And like, if, yeah, no question. Byron Buxton, really? Yeah. I, I mean, thought I for think sure you were going Riley. No, I think, I think Buxton is a legit MVP candidate if he stays healthy. I think we saw it last year. Um, I know that's a major what if um, in terms of health, but yeah, I like him a lot. <laughs> wow. Goodness gracious. All right. Well, I w- I'm going to go MVP next. AL MVP. Obviously, you said Buxton. Is Devers a legit candidate this year? For sure. Yeah. I think um Okay. I think he can even take a step forward, believe it or not, on what he's been um doing, which is would be hard to do. Is it likely not those names you mentioned, twins and twins and uh in Boston, is it likely that a blue jay or a white sock wins the MVP though? Just because of the way that those teams could operate this season. Um Sure, sure. I think uh, the Blue Jays, I, I would just say it's probably like Vlad. Um, mm-hmm. I know they had multiple candidates last year. I think Louis, Luis Robert is yeah. a legit candidate in Chicago, too. Um, he's 25 just, to 1, his, by the way, Dan. <laughs> yeah, and he just has the the sort of tools that just line up for that. I mean, he steals bases. He's He hits for decent average there's power speed combo there he's good defensively um he if he can stay healthy i think he's a guy that um could easily be um the mvp and that those i would take those odds yeah i kind of i kind of think you just talked me into that one okay 200 million dollars for aaron judge this week or no um yes Okay. Is that a hot take? I'm with you what on you this think? one. What do you think? On I've that? come okay. around on it. I, I've really come around on it because I hate the rest of the Yankees roster. So having said that and knowing that they're never going to tank, you, you better sign this guy, even though he's too old. And even though he gets injured too much, you better sign this guy because I think they're going to, they're going to fall out of love with a lot of their other pieces very quickly. <laughs> and they better have at least this guy to build around in terms of, uh, you know, bat slash defense slash arm. So I, I mean, him and Garrett Cole can help with a rebuild on the fly. And that's where I think we're headed with the Yankees. Maybe not after this season, but maybe in two years. Jose Ramirez, we just talked about how much you love your team. 
Is he wearing a different jersey by August 1st? Um, Is he wearing a different jersey I, by June 1st? I feel like this could be I, really quickly. I should plead the fifth on this one. Um, I do. I don't know, man. I have went, I, maybe I'm too close to the situation and, and see every little news tidbit dissected um, okay. too much. But I, I think whew, against all odds, I think there's a legitimate chance that they do sign him. Um, Keep him. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'll, I'll stay with you on that. Um, let's go back to contracts. We talked about those Royals, sir. We've seen these early contracts hit pretty prevalently, especially in the American League, right? The, the, the Mariners have done some early extension work. Certainly the Rays have done their job. Is Bobby Witt Jr. next? Is hmm. he, he going to have 50 at-bats and then become a $300 million player? I did not necessarily think so, but kind of the trend though right yeah i could see it i could see it for sure yep okay what are their prospects because that's kind of your neck of the woods maybe not so much right now because you just had a kid and you know there's other things to talk about but is there somebody else we should be sitting out there julio rodriguez somebody like that that you think is really just going to be the guy this year that nobody really knows about yeah so yeah, Julio Rodriguez, great name. People should know him and Jared Klenick in Seattle. That's going to be um, a really intriguing duo to watch this year. I know um, Klenick had uh, had a Historically bad... Historically bad. Yeah, really bad. But um, beyond that, um, the Pirates, believe it or not, have a guy by the name of O'Neill Cruz, who mm-hmm. is, I believe he's 6'4". He's a shortstop. Um, he has like an 80-grade power... Um, they're going to service time crunching though, from what I'm hearing. But. A thousand percent. I, I believe he already got designated, but um, yeah. And maybe he's like a guy, the, the pirates try and jump um, the contract with, you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. he's unproven, hasn't broken in. That's a, that's a team that typically doesn't want to spend much. So maybe there, maybe that's a candidate that they, they tried um, that with Cabrian Hayes last year. Right. And he's, I think he turned down a contract. So maybe they'll go one, two punch and try to lock in some, at least some sort of core. They need to because they're really a, a, a miserable franchise right now, unfortunately. There's like no identity there, no. Exactly. And, you know, locking in two players like that could really change that perspective. So I'm with you on that. I, I didn't even think about the Onel Cruz situation. Um, all right, back to the hot take stuff. Ready? Is Shohei Otani a two-way player by the end of 2022? I, I go back and forth on this. Um... Yeah, I'll say yes. Um, I, I do think the shelf life on that is is short, though. Um, like, if let's hypothetically, uh, I, I hate to, I'm not going to project an injury, but let's say he does struggle there at all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if it starts to happen again next year, I, I would think that they they see the incredible value he provides you as a hitter, um, and they might prefer to just keep that in the roster in the lineup but i mean when he has gotten banged up and been unable to pitch he has still been able to hit so maybe that's not a great take but um i don't know i think we should enjoy it why it's here because it's i don't think it's gonna i think for i think uh, that's right i I, I think it's probably not for not for long but i do think we get the whole year out of it again he just seems to be the right kind of age and physical specimen right now to be able to pull it off for at least another season 
All right. Yeah, and thank God, and thank God, Joe Madden is his manager. Oh right? gosh, because right? Not not a lot of managers would be willing to um, push him like he yeah. has, and and he's a, he's pretty progressive from that angle. So I, I will give um, that organization credit for also. Um, you know, thank God Mike match. Trout is who he is, Dan. Because if you get the wrong kind of superstar next to him with you know any kind of ego. The, the kind of attention that Otani is getting for, and, I, and rightfully so, that can be damaging. So Joe Madden plus Mike Trout, that's a really good situation. That's why we all want it to work. I think there's just, there's so much likability on that roster and, and potential superstar power, of course. We just want it to work out. So I'm, again, I'm rooting for it this year. All right, ready? Which fan base is most miserable about a contract? Is, I guess I'll give you July 1st. That's, that's a good enough sample size. The Mets with Frankie Lindor, the Yankees with Garrett Cole, the Angels with Anthony Rendon, or I had another one. Give me a second. Give me a second. The Colorado Rockies with Chris Bryant. Oh, um, <laughs> I, pro- I probably the Rockies just because they're not close to winning and i don't know if that was just like a hey we have a pulse free <laughs> gotta sell some beer yeah yeah i mean i don't i really don't know they have they have like nothing to build around there and now you're gonna pay a 30 year old you know third baseman outfielder the uh to, to, to like be the piece and your the this i don't know man i i don't know the, so the best part of my night last night when we had a fantasy draft in was seeing that chris bryant is eligible for like 11 positions and then thinking to myself well he colorado just might make him play all because they've got nobody else like charlie yeah. blackman's gonna miss half the season ryan mcmahon's gonna bat 200 again this guy could just be everything for this roster he's literally the whole franchise right now and he's not that good <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know what they were doing there it still makes no sense to me but all right um I digress. So yeah, I think Anthony Rendon, I, I actually do like him to bounce back this year. Um, it seems like he's healthy. Um, I s- still think that's going to look like a bad contract at the end of the day. I think we thought it immediately um, once it was signed, but no, I think, I think Garrett Cole is still is, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, um, he's still probably the best pitcher in baseball um, next to, you know, behind DeGrom when he's healthy, but I, I, we've seen where that's going right now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that I, I oh, oh sorry, Lindor. I I I think he bounces back this year. Second second year in New York. Um, he's got the the contract stuff all behind him. Um, yeah. a really incredible roster, good offense. I think he's I think he's primed to um to show us uh you know what he has in the past, close to a career year. I think for him. The Braves are thirteen to one to win the World Series and repeat. Yes. Oh no, I don't. I mean, never, I like never bet on the repeat, not, right? Not those odds, no. For no. Okay, what's your sleeper pick? Mm. It's terrible odds, by the way. There's so much parity at the top right now with those top payrolls. <laughs> I mean, it drops off pretty quickly, but I don't think anybody's betting. I, I'll tell you what mine is. You, I know you're going to hate it because of the pitching. Actually, shouldn't we all be betting the Angels at thirty to one? Why not? Uh, I mean, it's I, I'm on the record. I'm publicly on the record as liking them more than other people. So yeah, it's if I mean, let's do it, Dan. It let's put our foot down guy. for the Angels. God, thirty to one. We're betting the Angels to win the World Series. 
We're going to lose emphatically, but I, I like the odds and I like the team enough to at least, and I want the team to win too. I have like a rooting interest for them, even though I don't root for them as a fan. Let's do it. 30 to one. Good hard earned money, sir. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of like, that's as far as I would go. Um, yeah. I think down, down the list, quite honestly, but okay. Like I, I know people like to throw darts at that kind of thing. Um, I think we just proved you sure. really shouldn't. You really yeah, should. I mean, some of these I'm teams are going to spend more at the deadline and, and build some payroll up, but I, I don't think any of those teams at the bottom have enough oomph to get themselves all the way to the, to the top of the mountain. And that's saying something. I guess since you asked uh, the Giants at at twenty five to one, I I sort of like that as well. Um, right. Good enough. I think that's sort of a discount price on them. So, all right, good. Two teams. Last question. I have to ask this one because it could be the most important um, discussion we have with baseball this year. If the Nationals make the $500 million offer, does, does Juan Soto sign it? Oh, if it's on the table, uh, well, I, I would say yes. I mean, it's no-brainer. <laughs> okay. You think Scott Boris will let him sign it with Washington? That's an honest question. I, I think Washington could be epically bad this year because of injury and, and just the lack of oomph. And, and, you know, their best players might be t- under 22, 23 years old. And they're just a couple years away from it. Do you think that Scott Boris will let, let Juan Soto stick around there with a contract under term? Or do you think that he's eyeing the Bryce Harper situation with free agency? I guess, unless I'm misinformed on this, I, like, is there really, if he has a $500 million offer on the table, is there really going to be offers elsewhere that match that? Or are, are, It's a good question. So you're saying if he, if he hits the open market after 2024, do you think that kind of money will be there? I, I mean, if I had to bet on anybody, I'd bet on him. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm I'm just struggling to think um, you turn down a half a billion dollars. I mean, the Dodgers just did it with Mookie Bates, Bates, essentially, Dan. Right? Right, the, the trade and... Yeah, the last-minute trade and a gigantic contract. Lindor had basically the same thing happen to him as he was expiring. And, and that's what's going to happen. He's not going to... There's no way the Nationals do this again and actually let their superstar walk. It's just the most moronic thing ever they did with Bryce Harper um, for whatever reason. They thought they could win the World Series the year before. You, you, they're going to have to trade him eventually. So they'll get a boatload of prospects and, and things back, and then this new team will sign him. It's just... So, so to me, yes, there'll be a wink-wink agreement in place in July of 2024. If I had, or 2023, probably, right? They want to go one year out. Don't you think? But if, yeah, but if, for sure. But if Washington I, makes the offer tomorrow, right? What, I don't know how you want. I don't. Uh, yeah, that's why I say yes. If the paper's in front of you for half a mil, <laughs> you know, half a billion dollars, I don't like. If your agent tells you to turn that down, like that's bad business, unless he thinks you're going to get more, or you just flat out don't care about the money and want to go to a winning situation. Which maybe I'm discounting. Also, I'm just, you know, it's if you're the answer. first five hundred million dollar contract and it's in front of you to just sign it. I, I don't, I don't know how you don't do it, but it's a good answer. It was a good off season. Almost 4 billion in free agent contracts, Dan. Yeah. Insane. I heard you mention that a yeah. uh, couple podcasts ago and it's, um, and we still got maybe a hundred million left for Conforto. So there, there's, there's quite a lot out there. It, it, it was a nice year, pretty decent trades. I think we're set up for a pretty good deadline, uh, you know, with, the big spenders all in contention. I mean, that's literally what we just proved, right? The top 15 teams in terms of payroll should be in contention come July 1st or July 31st. So that should mean some pretty good movement trade-wise. So it's a 
good to have it back. I'm, it was gone for two months, and I think you and I were both kind of miserable about it. And here we are, right back in the fold. And one of our teams should be pretty damn good this year. <laughs> yeah, I um, I actually wanted to ask you about the trade deadline. I noticed. I must have missed this in the original announcement, but can can you walk us through uh, how, do you know how that's going to work with the, there's a period this year. Did you know that? Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to read more into it, but I think basically they just want to make it more of like a TV show mm. and have like a moratorium process. And I, I, I think that's what, where it is. I don't quite understand the date range that's been given out right now. Um, yeah, because historically the deadline has been what July thirty first, thirty first, and yeah. now it's the twenty eighth to the third. Third, the third, run anywhere. Yeah, I there was a big talk about bringing back that waiver process because some of those teams got kind of got screwed, especially the teams that didn't have you know any assets to give up and all that. I'm going to have to dive into this more. It's a great question. I'm glad you brought it to our attention. That has changed a little bit, but I do think it's more for marketability versus actual. Um, execution in terms of how these trades will work but we'll dive into that for sure plenty of time to get there sounds good thanks all right man thanks all right my thanks to cousin dan good to have him on board there'll be plenty of gambling fantasy baseball you name it conversations with dan down the road again we'll be uh touching base with Keith smith soon get a real update on where the nba season is winding down and what the off season looks like for teams like the lakers the knicks some important off seasons i think for some notable franchises in that league to get back on track as soon as possible. And uh, look, the draft is around the corner. We'll have some more draft analysis from some guests. And, you know, we've got our draft tool loaded up and locked with uh, projected contracts, projected cap hits for really all the draft picks at this point because the NFL has basically set their compensatory draft picks, things like that. And uh, our tracker is kind of rocked and ready to roll here. So we'll be having that kind of coverage as the draft gets closer and closer. Visit theathletic.com for even all this coverage and more. Theathletic.com slash spot track gets you 40% off that first year subscription. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.